And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but trying to go somewhere, trying to get into some place, and maybe it was exclusive, and, and maybe you had to have your name on a list to get in there. And what if your name wasn't on the list, huh? And you're being turned away by that big dude standing at the door holding that list. And because your name's on it, you don't have access to whatever good things are going on inside. And just as you turn to walk away, this big black Cadillac Escalade pulls up and out steps the guy who paid for all this. The guy who's putting on everything going on inside there. Who also happens to be the one who invited you. And as you turn to walk away, this guy walks up. And he says, no, wait, no, 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 it's okay. Come on, I heard it. He's with me. He's with me. And there you are kind of peeking out from behind him. Yeah, I, I'm with him. I'm with him. What's that do for you? Boldness, confidence. Even if your name's not on the list, it matters who you're with. And everything, whatever it is going on in there, all that good and wonderful thing happening there, you get access to all of it. Why? Because I'm with him. This is what it means to be with God. Every good thing grace has made available. You know, in and of you, your name's not on the list. I said your name's not on the list because of something good you've done. But when you made Jesus Lord. You know what Jesus said? That's good. He's with me. He's with me. The presence of God. We've, we've limited maybe our understanding of the presence of God to, wow, that was such a good feeling today as we sang. Wow, that, that was so neat. I just felt so warm. And that, you know, warm's good. I, I hope you do. But there's so much, so much more to the presence of God that you carry with you every day. But this is one I want to get to in the last couple of minutes that we have. Go back to the book of Acts. The Lord spoke in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8 and said, says the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So do not fear. Thank you, Lord. Acts chapter 3, I want to show you today what I believe is one of the big things that comes as the result of being in the presence of God and something I don't think we've talked quite enough about. In Acts chapter 3, we've mentioned this a little bit in our series so far as one of the indicators of the grace that was on this church in verse 1, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the ninth hour of prayer. It says in verse 2, A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms and fixing his eyes on them, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Now notice what it said. Verse 7, he took him, 
by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So if he received strength, if strength was the answer, then what was the problem? Weakness, which is what all sickness and disease is in one form or another. It's weakness. And as of Acts chapter two, Peter's got this Holy Spirit of God all over him. He's got this new anointing and this new grace. And he said, what I do have, I'm about to overflow with onto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately strength came. Strength. It says he received strength in verse eight. He, leap, he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? See, Peter's smart. He knows if I want this to keep happening in my life, give God the glory for it. Don't take the credit. He said in verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Now listen, verse 19. Repent, therefore. See, this, this power's on him to preach. And he's preaching who Jesus was and is and who he, who he will be and who he is to come. And, and as a result of this message, he's preaching, repent, 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 therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now, I bet most of you in here, if not all of you knew that. Didn't you know that when, the, when you repent? What happens? The blood of Jesus washes away your sins. They are blotted out. They are washed away. Did you know that that's what happens as the result of repentance? A quick show of hands. Who would raise a hand and say, yeah, duh, Jeremy, we knew that. The washing away of our sins. When you repent, the sins are washed away. But did you know that that's not the only thing included in your repentance? Repent, therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that, look at this, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We've got this sin being washed away thing, but what we didn't realize was that just as much a part of our salvation as our sins being washed away is also this promise of times of refreshing times of refreshing 
that come from your time in the presence of God. Times of refreshing. If you have lived through 2020 and 2021, you need this. You need these times of refreshing. It's an interesting word, this, this word refreshing. It's the only time it appears in the entire New Testament this way. It's only used one time. It has to do, and other translations bring this out, it has to do with escaping the effects of heat. Being worn out by the heat. If you study it, it carries with it the idea of a cool breeze. A breath of fresh air. And what that breeze does for you. The refreshing nature of that breeze. Escaping the heat. As a former Texan who now lives in the mountains of Colorado, I can tell you what a good thing it is to escape the heat. I spent the first 40 years of my life in Texas and people say to you all the time, you get used to the heat. No, no. It's like for six months, somebody walking around with a blow dryer in your face, just blowing hot air at you all the time. And one of the things I really began to, to realize over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so in Texas, I'm like, I'm worn out, man. Just the heat that's on all the time. You go outside and it's like instant sweat and you get tired. Then you make it back in as quick as you can and that cool air blowing in your face, it just does something for you. Now, now I have experienced not that artificial cold air, the real deal. This mountain air blowing in your face and how refreshing it is. It's like a cool breeze and it does something for you. It's interesting when you think about it, you go back to the book of Genesis and in chapter three, where you see God walking, he had come to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. One translation talks about the cool evening breeze. And I got to thinking about it, God's presence with them. Were they walking together because it was cool? Or is that what his presence did? Did his presence bring with it this refreshing, cool breeze? And like I said, if you've lived over the last 12 to 24 months, this is what you're in need of. And this is really what mankind has been in need of for all of human history. Because outside the presence of God, the heat is on. And you and I need a refreshing a refreshing. The word itself is a miracle because everything else in this life gets to be fresh once. When it's new, it's fresh. After time, it's not. But here's what you and I get. We get this refreshing. And there's something born in us. It's inborn into us, this desire and this craving for fresh. We want fresh things. We're drawn to fresh things, aren't we? I mean, what if I put a table up here and I had on one side of the table this basket of beautiful red glistening apples that have just been picked. And on the other side, here's six or eight apples that were in the bottom of a drawer we forgot about six months ago. And 
you know, they've turned a lovely shade of brown and gray and just soft and mushy. And you got 10 or 12 flies just sort of flying around the top of it here. Which one do you very naturally gravitate towards? Fresh or old? You want fresh. You want fresh. We desire it. We crave fresh. We're drawn to fresh. Sarah and I, a few years ago, on a vacation, uh, found a restaurant that was a farm-to-table restaurant. The only thing about this farm-to-table restaurant was they had a goal that much of their menu make it from their farm to your table in four hours or less. And it was right there on the ocean. And, and when they would offer you the fish for that evening, they'd say, it was caught right there earlier today. Somebody say fresh. fresh. That's fresh. And you can taste it. I mean, it makes a difference. We're drawn to fresh. Do I have any coffee drinkers in the house this morning? Come on, what do you want? The pot that was just made or the one that got left out last night? You want fresh. There's a craving for fresh. But I think more than freshness in our food or freshness in coffee or whatever, the place we desire freshness the most is in fellowship, in relationship. There is a God-born desire and craving on the inside of you for freshness. I mean, married folks, just think back for a minute to those early days, right? I know it's not hard for me. I've already told you about my relationship with Sarah this morning. I just got to think back, you know, 14 years or so. And man, it was fresh. And those feelings that go with it. Come on, help me out, somebody. Don't be so, thank you. So stinking sanctified up in this place today. You remember that. You know what I'm talking about. It was just like, I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't care who knows it. I literally came home from my first trip to Branson after meeting Sarah and I walked into my best friend's house and I literally did that in his foyer. I'm in love and I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. It's fresh, man. It's fresh. It's real. I mean, it's in every word. It's in every look. There's a freshness to it. And, and we crave that. We desire that. I was looking back at the book of Genesis uh, where it talked about Isaac and Rebekah. This, this couple, and I don't know how long it was into their marriage, but and I don't remember all the surrounding circumstances, but they were, they were in the presence of King Abimelech and Isaac had told Rebecca, tell him you're my sister. Why? Because you are so beautiful that he's going to want you and he's going to kill me to get you. So just tell him you're my sister, which is funny because it's what his dad had done years before. It's a whole other story, but so they did, but then Abimelech, the Bible says, is looking out the window and he sees Isaac and Rebekah, the King James, you gotta love the King James, trying to put it as gentle as it can, sporting <laughs> with one another, sporting with each other. Isaac and Rebekah were sporting with each other. What's that mean? I don't know, but there was enough in it that Abimelech is like, that is not that dude's sister. <laughs> He's like, I got a sister and that is not what I do with my sister. <laughs> now, other translations talk about caressing or something like that. If you look the word up itself, sporting, you know what it means? They were laughing. They were playing. You know what Isaac was doing? Keeping it fresh. 
just keeping it fresh. And there was such a freshness between them that Abimelech, this, this ungodly king, could see it. That's not your sister. I'm telling you all that to say, look, there's something in you that craves this. There's something in you that desires this. There's something in you that craves it with God. That craves a freshness with him, a realness with him. And do you want to know why you crave it with him? Because he craves it with you. And if you feel like the relationship has gotten stale and has gotten old, don't be surprised to find out God's not getting a lot out of it either. He craves a freshness with you. David said it like this. You have anointed me with a fresh oil. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. What's that even mean? Well, the horn, the Amplified says, is that emblem of stately grace and honor. He's saying, you've strengthened me. This fresh oil on me, I've got a fresh thing with you, God. I'm not living on something old. I'm not living on something stale. I've got a fresh thing with you, and it's strengthening me. Come on, what it do for that lame man laid at the gate? It strengthened him. It put strength on the inside and where there was weakness, strength rose up. And how, how do we describe relationships that are thriving like that? It's strong. We use the word strong. There's a strong relationship between him and her. There's a strong relationship between this husband and wife. It's thriving. It's growing. It's not, it's not cold. It's not old. It's not stale. They got a fresh thing with each other. I thought I might get a little more excitement, especially from some of you husbands about keeping this fresh with each other. Come on, help me out today. Don't we crave it? Don't we desire it? That's an inborn thing that God himself put in us. Now, Jesus said this in the book of Matthew. Just turn there and look at this with me. Musicians, you guys come on up. Help me wrap this up. Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is describing, I believe, the days you and I are living in right now. Talking about the signs of the times, the end of the age. He said in Matthew 24, verse 4, Take heed, no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. He said, See that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famine, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. They'll betray one another and will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, listen now, verse 12, because lawlessness will abound. Does that sound like anything we're seeing right now? Lawlessness will abound. But he said, because of that, verse 12, the love of many will grow cold. Do you realize in these end times, these last days that you and I are living in, this is what we have to be on our guard about more than anything? And he's listing some serious stuff here. 
people persecuting you, tribulation coming, wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, lawlessness. And the one thing you and I have got to be more watchful over than anything else is that we don't let our love get cold. That we don't let it get stale. And you've seen this, you've seen it in relationships. You see it in your relationship with God. The things that you do over and over and over and over again, these are the things where you're tempted to lose your passion, to lose the excitement that you once had. Years ago when we first began our television ministry and it was just our small little crew and we had a couple of cameras and we had a few lights, it was not much. But it was a start. And we were starting on day one. This was the first day we were taping anything. We sat down as a team and I said, listen, guys, we're about to start something today that we're going to do for a long time. And we're going to do it again and 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 again. And in that day, I mean, it literally was lights and camera and action. I mean, it was exciting, you know, it was starting something new. It was starting something fresh. But I told them, I said, watch out because repetition will try to drain you of passion. Don't let it happen. Don't let your love get cold. It's these things that we do over and over and over and over again that try to drain us of passion. But we're going to have to remember that if we're really in the presence of God, there's a refreshing that comes. And this is what I want us to experience just in the last few minutes that we have this morning. Go ahead, guys. We're going to make some time for the presence of God. Because you're in need of a refreshing. I know it. I've known it all week long. I've sensed it in my heart. And I, I, I would say that this week in preparation for coming into church this weekend, I experienced something that I never have before. And it was, it was a spiritual identifying with where you're at. And I could sense it all week. And the Lord saying, Jeremy, these people and my people everywhere just need a refreshing. It needs to be fresh again, new again, real again, not cold, warm again. Well, where do we go to get that? It's like, like I said, it's not just in the, well, the presence of God and the Shekinah glory will manifest in the such and such. Just go get where he is. Just go get where he is. And then what? Invite him into where you are. You don't go places you're not invited or you shouldn't. He doesn't. Well, I thought God was everywhere. He is, but he's not in manifestation everywhere. That's what we're talking about. Manifestations of his presence. How do we have more of that? Watch, I'll show you. Father, we invite you and we invite your presence into this place, into our homes, into this house. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. 
You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.